Today we begin our six-week preaching and teaching series that we introduced last week. During the Easter season, in place of the Old Testament reading that we usually hear, we'll have readings from Acts of the Apostles. During this series, both here in the traditional service and in the modern service downstairs, you'll hear sermons on the assigned passage from Acts each week. Then we want to encourage you to attend an expanded teaching during the Sunday school hour in St. Michael Chapel that will cover a broader section of Acts that includes the passage from worship. Even though we're excited about this series, we can't take credit for it. It is not our idea. It's the idea of our presiding bishop, Michael Curry. This is part of his Good Book Club invitation for Easter. Bishop Curry has challenged congregations to engage this material. So as you participate in this offering, you'll be doing so with Episcopalians around the country and around the world. The Gospel of Luke and Acts of the Apostles are written by the same author. And if you look at the structure of Luke and the structure of Acts, you can see the consistency. It is all about the geography. In Luke, we move from Jesus' ministry in Galilee to his ministry throughout Judea to the culmination of his ministry in Jerusalem. Just prior to his ascension, Jesus tells the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts, we see the followers of Jesus, the church, expand in just this way. The church begins in Jerusalem and spreads outward. By the year 100, Just 70 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, Christianity has spread to Egypt, Ethiopia, Armenia, France, Italy, Germany, Britain, Iraq, Iran, India, Greece, Bosnia, Croatia, Turkey, Albania, Algeria, Libya, and Tunisia. Our passage for today comes near the end of chapter 4, so let me get you caught up. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, and Peter is empowered to preach the gospel. 3,000 people are baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. We're told day by day the Lord added to their numbers. The apostles continue to preach the gospel and heal in Jesus' name. Clearly, these are not the same men who abandoned Jesus in his hour of need. They have been empowered by the Holy Spirit just as Jesus promised. And they are new creations. Like Jesus, the apostles are brought in front of the Jewish officials, the same men who arranged for Jesus' crucifixion. And they are asked to explain themselves. And what they proclaim is their faith in Jesus Christ. Released, the apostles and the other followers of Jesus pray to God for strength and for perseverance. And we're told when they had prayed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. This brings us to today's passage. It is the shortest Acts passage that you'll hear this Easter season, but it packs a wallop. We're told that the followers of Jesus, the early church in Jerusalem, were of one mind and one heart, and that they held all possessions in common to be used for the needs among the group. We're able to imagine a lot of things that Scripture tells us. We're able to imagine Jesus including women in his ministry in ways that were uncommon in the culture. 
We're able to imagine Jesus' ability to heal those he encountered. We're even able to imagine him calming the waters, having power over the natural order. But the church, being of one mind and one heart, and holding all possessions in common, this is a bridge too far. But that's the point. This reorienting of life, this giving all of oneself for the needs of the community was as foreign in its day as it seems to us today. And the only explanation is that the followers of Jesus were living resurrection life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had told his followers that loving God and loving neighbor were the most important things. In the power of the Holy Spirit, they are living lives that reflect this priority. In Acts, we're told that the believers devoted themselves to worship, instruction, fellowship, and sharing. It is from this wellspring of communion with God and with one another that they are able to live lives so different from what they had known. The resurrection made all the difference. The resurrection created a community of faith among disparate people who had never been part of such a community. Their core conviction being that God had raised Jesus from the dead and in doing so had given those who believe new life. In these communities, the meaning of the resurrection was discerned and then demonstrated. It was learned and then lived out. Every gathering of the community was a witness to the resurrection. The resurrection should make a difference in our lives. The lives of those who live in faith should look different. Last week, Chris talked about getting our heads out of the way and letting our hearts take the lead. By living in generosity and allowing our hearts to lead us in caring for others, we are bearing witness to the resurrection of our Lord. Our lives are inextricably linked. Jesus saves us not just for ourselves, but for each other. So we not only proclaim the resurrection, but we embody its redemptive truth by caring for one another and being involved in each other's lives. Christians live in the assurance that God holds us in his hands. We live with a bias toward trusting that people are good and God's world is good. We have been empowered to be gracious for the sake of others. And because we have been created for this, when we take up our resurrection life, we find fulfillment and contentment and joy. This resurrection life is an amazing witness to the truth and grace and power of God. And it is this witness that is so attractive to those who do not yet believe. It was this witness of lives lived for one another in generosity and caring that was so attractive to those who observed the early church. The church's joyful generosity and fellowship became a tangible sign that validated its message of Jesus. And so you see this amazing some would say miraculous 
growth of the early church. I want to close with a passage from, somewhat surprisingly, the Wall Street Journal. In an article last week titled The Easter Effect, George Weigel addresses this unlikely and drastic change in the lives of those who followed Jesus. He writes, There was a curious and inexplicable joy that marked the early Christians, even as they were being marched off to execution. It was the joy of people who had become convinced that they were witnesses to something inexplicable but nonetheless true. Something that gave a superabundance of meaning to life and that erased the fear of death. Something that had to be shared. Something with which to change the world. Amen.